0: this is the sunday messages podcast from cedar valley unitarian universalists in cedar falls iowa and i'm your host kat bean hansen welcome we're glad you're here This week's message was originally given on September 20th, 2020. Our member Judith Harrington talks about standing up to be counted.
1: I maybe should have said uh, in announcements this morning, for those of you that don't know, um, this afternoon begins for me uh, two weeks of vacation um and so i'm looking for uh, I'm looking forward to for, I'm looking forward to some time of rest and renewal and um, just sort of recentering myself and and I've noticed a pattern in the time leading up to vacation where I become uh, i suppose maybe just a little bit nervous about leaving the flock uh, even though i all, I know you're all in good hands, and you'll take care of each other. But I come before you today uh, with this this sermon right before uh, I leave for vacation with a confession of sorts. I have to admit that for weeks now, I have lived with a simmering worry in my heart, and as often happens with worry, I nurtured it with my focus and attention, feeding and caring for it. Allowing for it to grow so big, I lost view of what existed beyond or behind or beside that worry. My worry turned to fear, the stronger, more powerful and persuasive emotion that comes from a dedicated fostering of compulsive worry. Once my fear established itself as in control, the smaller whispers of things like hope and faith grew fainter and fainter. Friends, we are now nearly seven months past the before times when we met together in person, when we went about our lives unconcerned about the risks our togetherness might pose, when we knew nothing of what was to come, when ignorance was bliss. We are caught still in this liminal space. We do not know when the after will arrive what it will look like and how we will feel when we get there. And therein lies my worry, therein lies the consuming bigness of my fear, therein lies the meat of my confession. My fear of what will remain and what will be left to rebuild has overcome my ability to remain present in the now, to remain open to the transformational possibility inherent in times of pause and transition liminal space is foggy it is uncertain it is devoid of firm grips and handles that make us feel grounded and confident and assured and in this space where everything feels off kilter and unknown hopelessness can overcome us like a sleeping spell i have begun to fear what we will what will be left of of us, of this community, of this beloved sacred community, when the after finally arrives. I have failed to hold on to the understanding that liminal space is inherently a space of transformation and renewal, that the severing of the before is, yes, an ending, but that every ending unfolds a multiplicity of beginnings. In the near, Seven months, and the amount of time we have throttled through still astonishes me. We have gotten busy in the work of reconfiguring how we do community. Suddenly, what's, what was once greet your neighbor and children's time and coffee hour became breakout rooms and my disembodied voice reading our shared covenant in my empty dining room. In some ways, We're doing things better than we ever have before. It's likely true that worship now runs as smoothly as we could ever dream of if we were worshiping together in person. Our Zoom hosts, like wizards behind a curtain, swoosh us in and out of virtual breakout rooms and mute our mics when we forget, clicking through the slides of our hymns with perfect timing. Gone are the moments when you all recognize that your minister lives in outer space because Mary Kay or Maureen can just nudge me with a text message or a chat if I lose my place in the order of service. But, Lord, do I miss Gigi running up to me for the fifth week in a row to remind me she lost a tooth. I miss Tina Our resident hug patrol interrupting my silent read-through of my sermon to give me the biggest hug I could ever hope for. I miss Moria leaving a plate of coffee hour treats in my office because I never made it downstairs, caught up in one quick, intimate conversation after another. Our board meetings have taken on a new unbelievable efficiency, but I miss the pleasure of getting slightly wine drunk discussing which tree service to hire to trim the branches encroaching on our entryway. Our youth group is suddenly very well attended, our older kiddos gathering online to play card games, but we are missing growth spurts and voice changes and new hairstyles. A lot of our conversation has moved to Facebook, but as often happens in online spaces, And I speak about this from the perspective of a millennial brought up in the era of social media. We tend to drift towards toxicity, forgetting we know each other personally or fail to recognize when someone we don't know has usurped the conversation for their own malicious entertainment. And those who aren't online miss out and those who are get burnt out. Moving community online has done strange things to us as a collective. I recall in the early days of Zoom worship, we engaged in a kind of worried gatekeeping, fearing Zoom bombing, which is, I will acknowledge, a real threat. I have have colleagues in ministry who had to navigate congregations traumatized by violent or pornographic images when their Zooms were hacked. So we cut off entry to our worship in a way we would never dream of if we were in person. We are the church of the wide open door, but suddenly we got protective and felt the need to close ourselves in. And then on the opposite side of the same coin, I found myself gatekeeping in our private Facebook group, desperately trying to protect the space we have come together in vulnerability. We have come together in the spirit of vulnerability from those who wish to mock or belittle our community. Small disagreements that would typically blow over with a hug and a burst of apologetic laughter suddenly take up all of our emotional bandwidth. We become obsessed with controlling what little we can in a world shaken up like a snow globe in the hands of a sugar-addled toddler. What was once small becomes huge. What was once sacred becomes one-dimensional and forgettable. What was once vital becomes an afterthought. It is so easy to lose sight of where we are in a liminal, transitional phase. We do not know what will be in the after, but we must, we must remember that we are on the temporary life raft that floats our community safely to the other side. I found myself uh, floundering in this liminal time to define what church community even is when we can't be together in the same space, going through the rituals and the sacraments that ground us in our being together. And so I did what I always do when I can't get a grasp on something I desperately wish to understand. I began to research. I read one online article after another written by people attempting to explain how to sustain church in a time none of us have ever experienced before. Don't broadcast pre-recorded worship, they wrote. Make sure people can participate live. Okay, great. We do that, I thought. Have your committees meet online. Yep, we do that. Make sure you have a network to provide pastoral care. Check, check, check. I read one article after another, discovering exactly near zero new ideas or insights we haven't already tried. And so I went to my bookshelf. The pandemic may be new, but the struggle to create community is as ancient as humankind. That's when I found Unexpected Gifts, Discovering the Way of Community by Christopher L. Hertz in my stack. friends let me tell you i consume this book like a starving stray cat consumes a can of tuna i knew i was onto something good when on the second page i read every expectation is a resentment waiting to happen every expectation is a resentment waiting to happen lord almighty there it was i was five minutes in and already being called out because I have been desperate for the feeling of the church in the virtual space to be like the feeling of church in the physical space. And while what we've created is good, it's really good, and it's taken a lot of work, it isn't quite what my heart craves. And so there I was, simmering in anxiousness and resentment and disappointment. Hertz's central thesis is this. Community is a gathering of people who agree to commit to the work of continually building, even when it is hard, even when we are failing miserably. miserably. Hertz writes, here's the dirty little secret. In community, there really are no resolutions, only ambiguous and messy attempts to find our way back to one another. In community, there really are no resolutions, only ambiguous and messy attempts to find our way back to one another. The pandemic struck and in the spirit of love and protection for all of us, we moved online. We are attempting, as we will continue to attempt to the end of the earth, to find our way back to one another. We must find the courage to exist together in ambiguous liminal space we must celebrate when we feel like we are getting it right when we experience true moments of connection and we must forgive each other when we fall short my biggest fear and I am learning to articulate and give shape to my fears because it is in the shape-taking that their power is diminished my biggest fear is that we will forget that we belong together, to this place, to one another. That the loss of physical presence will cause us to forget how vital we are to one another. That we will take the existence of this community for granted, like a dusty plant in a corner that we forgot to water, and then it seems suddenly, because we are just noticing it now, the plant is dead. That the work we did to grow and stretch and delight in shared ministry before COVID will be for nothing because in our distance we have forgotten the incredible gift of presence and shared vision. That those who need us badly won't be able to find us in the nebulous password protected world that is cyberspace. Or that those who wish to cause us harm will find us to be easy targets because of our increased virtual presence. It's two sides of the same coin and it's a conundrum that I have not solved. That the simple things that feed us and draw us back to one another as a source of nourishment will be forgotten or replaced with something else. Beloveds, we do belong here. We do belong to one another in covenant and shared vision. We must knit ourselves together in the beautiful interdependent web we affirm exists even when the strands are so translucent, they seem invisible. We must remember we are and we remain a place of belonging, of radical welcome, of unconditional love. We must remember and remain a place where the collective shares the pain of the individual, where we forgive one another, where we approach one another with curiosity over animosity. We must be the life raft with room for all of us desperate to make it to the other side. The refrain of our opening words last week were, you are beloved and you are welcome here. You are beloved and you are welcome here. But for that to remain true, we must recommit to the work of sustaining ourselves and one another in this liminal time. We sustain ourselves by committing to and strengthening our relationships to one another. It is our relationships to one another that will continually draw us back into this community. It is our shared vision to be a place of welcome, of inspiration, of nurture, and of justice that can draw us back into relationship with one another when the bonds begin to fray. It is the phone calls and socially distant lunches and handwritten cards and privately uttered prayers and the flinging of good vibes and the shared grief and expressed dismay and the chance to forgive and re-covenant that sustains us. Here's the thing. Religious community has survived impossible odds since the beginning of its inception. Since the beginning of humanity, we have attempted to make sense of the unknowable world by being in community together. It is never easy. It is the continuous journey of stumbling forward, sights trained on our shared belief that a better world is possible. But... Humankind is designed to be resilient. Humankind is made to be together. We are not in this life to live it alone. And so we will continue to invent new ways to remain together. We will continue to fail miserably and succeed sometimes and exist together in the in-between of both of those things. You are the beloved community. We were made for these times to fail and to persist, to dissolve and reconvene, to withstand whatever force may try to break us, stronger and more resilient together than we could ever hope to be alone. Please, beloveds, do not lose hope. Do not let your fear win out over your need to be comforted. Do not let your dissatisfactions usurp your joy. Do not let these times that threaten to defeat us win out over our love and compassion for one another. Remember, we will survive this. Remember our shared bonds and our shared covenant and the vision that propels us towards a better tomorrow for every single one of us. You are beloved, you are welcome here. We are the beloved and we are welcome here. Amen and blessed be. I'll see you on October 21st.
0: This has been the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists. The music is by Nathan Moore. If you want to learn more about the CVUU, visit our website at www.cedarvalleyuu.org. And you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at Cedar Valley UU. We welcome visitors to attend our online services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to learn more about joining us for a service, send us an email at cvuupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.